This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in-depth interviews only heard here. And now, from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show, Bob Howard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for November 9th, 2023. This is episode five of season number 13, lucky season number 13 of the Power Play Post Show. And this is episode 390 of the long-running podcast that is the Power Play Post Show. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Glad to have you all here listening to the show and boy, do we got a doozy for you. I'm really excited about this one. Um, we have one of the best centermen in the FPHL here on the show this week. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear that interview. Um, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, the Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search Power Play Post Show and share any of our show posts to all your friends. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton hockey information and curiosity. And... On this episode of the Power Play Post Show, centerman for the Binghamton Black Bears, Brendan Stanko, is on the show. Uh, 14 points. He's got four goals and 10 assists on the season so far. And we'll talk to him about a lot of really good stuff um, about his life, his career, where he grew up, um, all the pretty cool stuff that will lead you to him talking about also the Binghamton Black Bears and playing here for Coach Sherwood here in Binghamton for you Binghamton Black Bears fans. Um, so last week we only had one game on the season uh, or one game on the weekend on the docket. Uh, that was uh, in Danbury. So now we play 18 games against the Danbury Hattricks and uh, we've now played three, four of those games so far already. I believe it's three games. We've played three games so far against the Danbury Hattricks. We've beaten them twice and lost in a shootout once. Um, so the one game last week was a 4-2 win over the Danbury Hattricks in Danbury. Goals came from Nikita Ivashkin, Brendan Stanko, Connor Smith. Boy, that sounds familiar, right? Doesn't it? All in the second period. And then Andrew Logar got one in the third uh, for us to get that 4-2 win. I want to reconfirm something. I think Danbury is beatable this year. I know I've said that. I said that last week. But I truly believe that the Danbury Hattricks are beatable this year. I think they have a good coach in Billy McCreary. I believe that they have the foundation to still be good this year. But they're beatable. And there is a difference. The other thing that is very important to remember is they're a dangerous team. And I can say dangerous means a lot of things, right? It means maybe you're physical. Maybe you have the ability to break out and score a lot of goals. 
We're going to find out how dangerous this team is over the season. Uh, we're going to play them 18 times. I thought this game against Danbury, in Danbury, one of the things that I liked a lot, first period, there was uh, basically a shutout, right, going for both teams. No team had scored in the first period. And why that's kind of like good is that I want to see Binghamton have more scoreless uh, periods for the other team, right? It means the defense is doing what they're supposed to be doing. The overall team defense factor is coming to play, right? You know, and in that first period, actually the first two periods, Danbury didn't score. I think that's a positive thing that you got to look at. Forget the fact that they scored two goals. Sam Dabrowski scored a goal. Uh, Nick uh, D. Nick Lola scored a goal at the end of the game, an empty netter, right? So, um, no, well, not an empty netter. They had an extra attacker. Uh, extra attacker. They pulled their goalie. I think the important thing here is that Binghamton against Danbury held them two periods with no goals. I think that's a key factor in how good that Sam Davici was playing, how good the team defense was. Um, in the second period, uh, Nikita Ivashkin scored first at the 12.46 mark. This seemed to jump uh, jumpstart them because in two minutes and 14 seconds, they scored three goals, Okay. Let's say that again. Two minutes and 14 seconds, they scored three goals. First from Ivochkin, who was, uh, you know, Brendan Stanko and Matthew Ballard got the assist. Then Brendan Stanko scored a goal with Andrew Logar getting the assist. And Connor Smith, um, he he scored the third goal at the 15-minute mark with Nikita Ivochkin and uh, Tyson Kirkby getting the assist. Now, if you look at that, you would say, oh, wait a second here. It wasn't all just Nikita, Brendan Stanko, and Connor Smith, right? Because they got they scored the three goals, but the assist didn't come from all the, the, the guys, you know, because Tyson Kirkby was out on the ice at one point at the 15-minute mark. Andrew Logar was on the ice with Brendan Stanko at, at the time. So things were mixed up a little bit, and they were still clicking. The important thing here is that Nikita, Brendan, and Connor from that top line scoring the goals. Um, very interesting. Andrew Logar also had a two-point night. Justin Semerao and Jesse Anderson um, got the assist on that goal in the third period with 14.37 to go. And I think it's really important that they did score that goal. I think probably the most important goal in that game was the fourth goal. Right, it wasn't the game-winning goal, but Andrew Logar basically scoring that goal really stopped any momentum that Danbury might have had on the power play goal that Sam Dabrowski got at the twelve nineteen mark. That's really huge, really really huge because the empty, the extra attacker goal doesn't really mean all that much. Two seconds left to go in the game that brought it to four two. Didn't really mean that much. But let's talk about the physicality of this game, right? We had fighting majors, uh, Xavier Abdella and Justin Samaro dropped the gloves. 
We had Daniel Ansbury and Mac Lewis get fighting majors. Okay, uh, Mac Lewis also got a third man in in this game. Daniel Ansbury got his second aggressor of the season. Okay, you got to remember aggressors are going to come with suspensions, and that'll lead us into something in just a little bit. Okay, Dan Weber got tagged for a boarding call that was first initially called as a match penalty but then was changed to a major penalty. I don't know if initially when they put it in, it was incorrect. I I, I don't want to throw shade against Dan Barry and their off-ice officials. It's not an easy job, and it's probably not hard for – it's probably not easy for FPHL and maybe some SPHL teams to get guys to come and do the off-ice official stuff. It's – I can guarantee you it's probably not that easy. Uh, But they make mistakes in Dan Barry – a little bit, um, a lot, and they don't get stuff entered in in a timely manner. This could have been a mistake that it was put in as a match, and it really should have been a major, or the league looked at it because a match is going to automatically get a review and a suspension. Uh, they might have looked at it and said no. And, and from what most people who were watching this game, they said, hey, listen, that's a, that's a pretty strong uh, cross-check, or that's a boarding call but not a match penalty. And I don't even know if a five-minute major was necessary for that. I don't think there was any intent to injure at all. And, uh, you know, but that's that. Uh, There were uh, other – so he got a game misconduct and a boarding major on that one. What was really interesting was at some point in the third period, this this game really started to become penalty-filled. Uh, Binghamton got tagged with, in the third period, Tyson Kirkby got an interference call. Matthew Billard got an interference call. Andrew Logar got a cross-checking call. That's when, about 39 seconds later, uh, Brant Sherwood, the head coach, he got an abuse of officials bench minor, also got the abuse of officials game misconduct, right? Um, generally when this happens, the, maybe the effort gets dropped. Maybe there's a disagreement about where dinner's going to be later on, but it was something like that. I asked coach Sherwood about it. I said, Hey, did you drop the F bond a few, a, a couple too many times? He said, no, that's not, it wasn't even that bad. So I'm not really sure, um, 100% what it was. I'm sure coach Sherwood will tell me, you know, at some point in the future, what was really said and everything. But I have a feeling that the referees in this game, um, we're talking about uh, uh, Michel Levier and Matt Roy, probably just were having a bad night, calling a lot of penalties, and didn't want to hear great from the two head coaches because even Billy McCurry got an abuse of officials, game misconduct at the end of this game. Now, I'm not saying that these penalties weren't deserved, right? Some of these penalties were probably obviously deserved, right? So um, one penalty I don't understand in this whole game, I like I, all those other penalties I just talked about, okay, I find I can understand it. But Dustin Gesso, at the 936 mark of the second period, gets a hooking minor, right? Also at the 936 uh, Mark, he also gets an embellishment minor. How the hell does that happen? Can someone explain that to me? How does a guy, so how does a guy get a hooking minor, but then he also embellishes the damn thing? So he, so he 
over embellished the hooking? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there was something else that I'm missing here. But he he got an embellishment and a hooking. So that one is beyond me. But either way, the two coaches also got uh, got that. I don't think this is the ugliest that we're going to see between these two teams. I have a feeling at some point there is going to be some really – first of all, Dan Barry really hates Dustin Gesso for some reason. They really have it out for him, right? And uh, I, I, I can't explain it, but you know, uh, but they just they just don't like him. So that's really what it comes down to. That's what that game was like. If if you watched it on YouTube, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the two teams combined for over 90 penalty minutes. Both coaches received game misconducts for the abuse officials, which led to fines. Both coaches, uh, which the FPHL did announce on their website, which I'm liking, and I'll talk about those suspensions and fines here in just a second. Daniel Ansbury was assessed an aggressor penalty, and Mac Lewis a third man in. However, Ansbury was suspended, and Mac Lewis was not. We'll talk about why that is here um, next. Okay, so Daniel Ansbury, Danbury Hattrick Ansbury suspended. Uh, this is uh, from the press release. I want to go through the press release and then talk about each individual thing here uh, because this is all pertaining to that game on Saturday night in Danbury. Danbury for Daniel Ensbury has been suspended for one game as a result from his uh, actions during the FPHL game 31 in Danbury, Connecticut on Saturday, November 4th. FPHL Director of Player Safety Dave Jackson stated, this incident involves Mr. Ensbury punching an unwilling combatant who is bent over and making no attempt to engage in fisticuffs. This is not considered a fight, but an attempt by one player to inflict punishment. This is Mr. Ainsbury's second aggressor penalty this season as such. Is considered a repeat offender. He will be suspended two games. There is a There was a third man penalty called which was the correct application, but there will be no supplementary discipline as the player entered the altercation as a peacekeeper. Now, he's talking about Mac Lewis there. So Mac Lewis is basically is coming in as a third man in uh, because Ainsbury basically went after Dustin Gesso, right? And Justin Gesso said, I am not fighting you. Um, probably the second time he said, I'm not fighting you. Um, in the three games that they've played so far. And Mac Lewis came in to kind of defend. He's the third man in, and basically they're not going to penalize him because he was trying to be the peacekeeper. Um, there are some key things that are, are very important here. Everybody knows that Daniel Ensbury on the ice is a dangerous player and should not be playing. I will call him out left and right all day long. I don't care. He does not deserve to be on the ice. And the FPHL has not done the right thing yet. They keep suspending him. They keep allowing him to injure players. Do we need to go through the players? Do we need to go through seriously all the players that he's injured and he's been partially suspended for? Now, I want to give Dave Jackson, the director of player safety, some credit. He is now explaining to the people that are paying the ticket prices, that keeping this league afloat, along with Barry Soskin, right? Barry Soskin and the fans are keeping this league afloat, right? They're explaining their their reasonings for certain things, and they're 
they're letting us know. So that's good. I will give Dave Jackson that. But I'm telling you right now, how many players is he going to injure to not because of a hockey play? He's not doing hockey plays when he's doing this. This isn't him going after the puck. He's not hitting somebody to drive them off the puck. In some cases, he's using his elbows to hit people in the head or his shoulder and hitting somebody in the head. But they continue to let this person play. And what really pisses me off probably even more is that he goes on other podcasts and they make him out to be the nicest guy in the world. And you know what? Daniel Ansbury might be the nicest guy in the world. I wouldn't doubt it. I would probably say that you know, there's a good chance that he is a super nice guy. He does not belong professionally on the ice. It's that simple. And this is going to continue to happen until they kick him out of the league. Um, so we'll see if they actually do that. All right, moving on. Uh, Binghamton Black Bears Sherwood is fined. Uh, Binghamton head coach Brent Sherwood has been fined an undeclosed amount as the result of his actions during the FPHL game. Blah, blah, blah. We already know this. November. So this is what Dave Jackson had to say about Sherwood. Mr. Sherwood received a game misconduct for verbal abuse towards the officials midway through the third period. Although there will be many times that the coach and officials will disagree, it's imperative that the dialogue between them remain respectful. Uh, The league cannot and will not tolerate certain types of phrases or slurs that are generally offensive and demeaning. You know, I mean, listen, when I covered the American Hockey League for the 11 years that I did, I'm going to guess that they were saying the F word, they told them to F off, or whatever it might be. I, again, I haven't talked to Coach specifically about what he said, but I'm sure it wasn't great because he's frustrated. And again, let's talk about Bill McCurry. Same type of thing. Bill McCurry has been fined an undisclosed amount as a result of his actions from the FPHL game, 31, Danbury, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's what Dave Jackson had to say. Mr. McCurry was assessed a game misconduct at the completion of the game, so the 20-minute mark of the third period, for verbal abuse directed at the officials. He was visibly displeased with something that had transpired during the game. This type of displeasure is better handled through the proper league channels, in other words, writing an email, blah, 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 probably. Uh, uh, Questions can be asked and answered, and an explanation can be given. The officials really have no recourse to punish a team when the behavior happens after the game ends, and we cannot simply tolerate abuse uh, because the buzzer has sounded. Post-game verbal abuse is cumulative, and fines will increase for further incidents, which I'm sure it will happen uh, the same thing for... uh, Coach Sherwood, if he happens to have this again, it'll the fine will probably go up. So it's listen, this is a heated rivalry. They put these teams against each other 18 times, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but this is only going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. And if anyone thinks it's going to get better, then I've got some land in Florida. Might be a little wet, but I think it's a good piece of land that you could buy. Um, Binghamton transactions over this past week. Start with the oldest one, Dustin Jesso signed another fourteen, uh, another four game PTO. Um, Alexander uh, Gamatsov was released from his uh, four game PTO after it was done. 
Brent Sherwood was fine, the undisclosed amount. Um, I bet you it was like the amount of a pizza or something. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Sam Levici was placed on the 15-day IR. I've been told it's not a serious injury. Um, and it's okay because, honestly, they got Nolan Egbert and they've got uh, Connor uh, McEnanema that can uh, obviously take the reins. Uh, Sam Levici does have three wins. He does have the best numbers so far, and he's had Dan Barry's numbers. So in a couple weeks, if he's able to come back from that 15-day IR, he should be able to play against Danbury again. And Dakota Bond was signed and brought back to active. Um, so Dakota Bond will join the team. That'll be the fourth uh, Adrian College teammate to be on. Connor Smith, Brendan Stanko, um, Dakota Bond, and of course, Dan Stone as well, all being from Adrian College, which, hey, speaking of Adrian College, we're going to be talking to one of those guys, Brendan Stanko, in just a little bit and everything. Um, again, pretty good team, club hockey, Adrian College. Um, so we'll talk to Brendan Stanko about that in just a little bit. The FPHL, this is one that kind of just made my one eyebrow rise like Spock would in Star Trek. The FPHL realigns the division's Though the season has already started. Yes, let's let's read that one more time. The FPHL has realigned the divisions through the season, though the season has already started. Motor City moves into the Empire Division. This makes sense. Binghamton plays Motor City five times, two home, three away. The Blue Ridge Bobcats move into the Continental Division. This too makes mistake uh, makes sense. Um, Binghamton wasn't scheduled to play Blue Ridge this season. So there was a team actually in the division with Binghamton that Binghamton didn't play. That didn't make any sense, right? That doesn't make any sense. But it made sense that they moved it. So they make this change. And Binghamton's already played seven games. I think Danbury's already played eight games. And yet Blue Ridge, you know, we're going to make this change now. That's just weird. What doesn't make sense is that Port Huron and Motor City, 46 miles apart from each other, are now in different divisions. If you're going to make the one change, just move both teams over into the... Now, again, Port Huron doesn't... Well, I think Port Huron and Binghamton only play one game. It's a, an away game in Port Huron. So, again, the schedule was whacked. The, the, the divisions didn't make sense in some cases. I mean, of course... Most of the teams in the Empire Division made sense. Watertown, Elmira, Binghamton, Danbury. That made sense, right? Port Huron and Motor City, I, I realize it's a 12-hour drive to Detroit, or maybe it's a little bit less than that. Maybe it's a little bit more than that, depending on traffic and which way you go. Uh, but it's, isn't that still better than Motor City and, and Port Huron going all the way down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana? Or Mississippi? It just, it, it doesn't, the way they scheduled this, it doesn't make sense. And now they're changing either way. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like the fact that they changed the divisions within the season, right? Nobody does that. No league does that. And they did that. That's one. Number two, they should have done this beforehand everybody was talking about it i don't think there's a person that has a media credential in this league that 
didn't mention it at some point on Facebook. Like, shouldn't they change Port Huron and, and put Blue Ridge and the Continental and, you know, with Baton Rouge and you got a nice little long line there? It just doesn't make sense. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to move on from that. But they did realign the division. So if it looks a little different when you go to the uh, FPHL standings on their website, it's that's, that's what they did. They announced it today. Um, Nikita Ivashkin is now ninth in goals and 19th in points in Binghamton hockey history. So I know there's going to be a debate. And there's always going to be a debate. Right, and that debate is going to be FPHL versus AHL, FPHL versus maybe the UHL, so on and so forth. Right, especially when it comes to Binghamton hockey history. Okay, but when we look at the goals, I I think in Binghamton, if you said the word Rod Bloomfield, people would be like one of the greatest Binghamton dusters, broom dusters there ever was. People love this guy. This guy was a hero. He scored 203 goals. Well, guess who else scored 203 goals in his career in Binghamton? Denny Amell. One played most of his career, 90% of his career was played in the North American Hockey League, which spawned Slapshot. And, you know, I think there was a couple teams that did have affiliations that they worked with you know, AHL teams or NHL teams. So there was some sort of connection where the FPHL doesn't have that. They're really trying to build these connections and these relationships with the SPHL and even the ECHL, which they should, and they need to continue to work towards that, right? So Rod Bloomfield played mostly in the North American Hockey League, never had an NHL contract to his ever in his, in his lifetime. Denny Amell obviously did with Buffalo and Ottawa had contracts that would allow him to play in the NHL. And he did for short periods of time. Both have 203 goals. Randy McGregor, also another duster and then a whaler played a little bit in the NA North American hockey league. And of course the, uh, the HL with the Whalers and the Dusters, 190 goals. He's third on the list. Chris Greenville from the Iceman is fourth in the list in Binghamton hockey history with 160 goals. Paul Fenton from the Whalers, Ross Yates, 120 and 102 goals, respectfully. Those are our 100 plus goal scorers. That's one through six. Josh Hennessy had 99 goals as a Binghamton senator. Bob Sullivan, 98 goals with the Binghamton Whalers. Now Nikita Ivashkin has now, within less than three seasons, scored 96 goals and did that through 100 games. There are three players that have played 100-plus games for the Binghamton Black Bears. Nikita is now the third in that line. Gino D'Angelo and, of course, Josh Newberg. I believe Josh Newberg has 103. Gino has 102. And now Nikita has 100, probably will be the leader in that category. He is the leader in assist. He's the leader in uh, points at this point. He is ninth in Binghamton hockey history with 96 goals. The other thing is that when we look at points, he is 19th right now in Binghamton hockey history in points with 173 points. Ahead of him 
our 17th and 18th place, which sit at 175 points and 174 points. He has a chance this weekend against Carolina. Now, Carolina is a little bit tougher of a team. they got a really good goaltender. He's only given up a couple goals in three games. So, it's going to be tough. But I, I think if, if any team can do it, it's the, the best line in hockey in the FPHL right now, which is, of course, uh, Connor Smith on the left side. Stanko in the middle. Nikita Voshkin on the right side. Right? So he's only a couple points away from jumping from 19th place up to 17th place. I'm telling you, folks, I get it. There's controversy around Ivashkin. We can't deny it. We can't look away from it. But he is the player that he is, and he's really good on the ice. And uh, I realize that, you know, there's some talk about him elsewhere. Well, let people talk. He's going to continue to play hockey. And if players don't want to play with him, they've got two choices. Either play with him or move on. Because uh, the team and uh, um, a lot of the players don't mind playing with him. And uh, so we'll see how it goes this weekend. Carolina's in town Friday night. I believe that is going to be a really big attendance maker. Uh, Baton Rouge right now I believe is number one in the FPHL. They've played four games, and they're ahead of Binghamton in the attendance market. So we'll see if Binghamton can uh, start to catch up and get some bigger uh, attendance numbers uh, shortly after uh, Thanksgiving. But this Friday will be a big one. They've already announced there's less than 1,000 tickets. And uh, I believe it's Word of Life, which is one of those big uh, crowd bringer and errors. Um, and uh, the next night is obviously Veterans Day. The 11th, which will be Military Appreciation Night. They're going to have a special jersey. Well, first of all, they're wearing their third jerseys for the first time on Friday night. And on Saturday night, they will have their special Military Appreciation jersey um, as well. So that is it for my segment. I'm really excited for you guys to be able to listen to my interview with Brendan Stinko. That's coming up next here on the Power Play Post Show. Hi, this is Don Biggs from the 92-93 Binghamton Rangers. Hi, this is Brandon Bochinski. This is Grady Wittenberg, the voice of the Binghamton Senators, and you're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. Welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. I'm really excited to have this gentleman on. He is a Michigan native, and he's pretty much played most of his hockey career in Michigan. And now he's playing for the Binghamton uh, Black Bears and uh, probably one of the best centermen right now in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. And he's on probably the best line in the FPHL as well, along with his teammate, uh, Connor Smith, and of course, Nita Kayavachkin. Uh, he is Brendan Stanko. Brendan, thank you very much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I uh, appreciate being here and all the things you said about me. Um, uh, Brendan, let's talk a little bit about uh, growing up in Michigan. Obviously, you know, Michigan, one of the hot spots in America for yep. hockey. 
youth hockey, whether it be Minnesota, Michigan, North Dakota, Massachusetts, even parts of upstate New York and everything have a really good, um, you know, decree to producing hockey players and everything. Um, what was it like for you growing up as a kid and getting into hockey? I know you told me off air that your father uh, played and everything. Talk a little bit about, you know, hockey in your area of Michigan growing up and what it was like for you. So hockey in Michigan, it's uh, it's a variety through high school, AAA, AA, and uh, I ended up starting on the Kensington Valley Rebels, and I actually played ni- uh, up a year. I played with the 98s. But uh, before that, my dad was an avid uh, hockey uh, player. He loved watching the Red Wings, and he would take me to Joe Lewis, and I would do the skate with the wings after the games. But that just led into my uh, love for hockey growing up and eventually playing double A in Kensington Valley, then going to triple A at Compuware and ultimately uh going to juniors. But I mean, growing up it's it's everyone plays hockey in Michigan. That's the winter sport and for summer it's golf, lacrosse or something else to keep you busy. And, and was there another sport that kinda kept you distracted a little bit? I know there's a couple different mindsets when it comes to youth sports. Um, you know, yeah. you know, some 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 guys are like, nope, I am all one sport all the time, and then there are other mindsets of, nope, we're going to mix it up and you know, kind of work the muscles and the memory and stuff like that a different way and everything. What was it for you? Was it hockey all the way, or was there another sport that you know got your interest as well? Oh, I was I was outside playing every sport when I could, but ultimately it was it was sticking to hockey. It was. Don't injure yourself. You got a full season ahead of you. You got to be healthy. But you know, I always loved uh, swinging the baseball bat, throwing the football at quarterback. But you know, at the end of the day, shooting those pucks in the driveway were were the things that stuck with me, and ultimately ended make ended up making me love the game even more. So, hockey's it. Hockey. Uh, I played soccer growing up in a in a youth league, but. Ever since that, it's been strictly hockey, hockey, hockey. Eat, sleep, and breathe. And and, and now I, I've said this multiple times, and I, I I really think it's true. I think centermen are usually the smartest guys on the ice. When did you know that you had a hockey sense? Because centermen, when they're bringing the puck down, it's like a point guard in in in, in basketball. Um, sometimes even a catcher in baseball, right? Some of the smartest people are catchers in baseball, and and, and a lot of people don't realize that because they got the big ears and everything. But it's it's really a, 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 the truth. When did the hockey sense really come together for you? Was it a coach? Was it something that just kind of happened that everyone said, you know what, that's his position. That's where he should be playing. I. To be honest, I, growing up, I never really cared where I played as long as I was on the ice. Mm-hmm. But I believe it was my first year of AAA in 2011 12. Uh, I always liked being on the puck. I always liked being where the puck was. So if it was in the defensive zone, I was on the puck. If it was in the neutral zone, I was on the puck. Offensive zone, on the puck. So I think that's where it kind of took off, definitely my uh, first year of AAA. But ultimately, I love just shooting pucks being on puck so it's like growing up it was it was I'll go wherever so was was there a coach back then during your time in AAA um that really kind of helped you progress your game even further oh yeah all, all of them definitely did from Kyle Krug to uh Mr. Jenkins 
to Mr. Baldrica. There, there's a handful of names off the top of my head that I'm missing right now. But they, even my father, he, he was always one that, that helped me, you know, lead, lead the way and, and show the ropes, and, and that ultimately made the player who I am. Now, when you made it to uh, the NHAL and you were playing, obviously, with the Brookings uh, uh, Blizzard, uh, that team, you know, when I when I when I when I scanned up and down the roster a little bit, there are a lot of guys that are playing pro hockey now. Out of that, obviously, everybody knows, uh, you know, uh, Cotter, who plays with the the Las uh, La, yeah, yeah Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights and everything um, and everything. Talk a little bit about getting there for you know playing on that roster and everything. Uh, how? What was it like to be on? Now, of course, you don't know that any of you guys are going to make it. Obviously, to the pros, sure. um, but obviously, it's a league. It's a uh, it's juniors that really does help provide that stepping stone for a lot of players and everything. Talk a little bit about that roster and and the fun that you guys had and what you learned. Yeah, so that that was actually one of the youngest guys on the team before Paul showed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul actually, he was not on the camp roster. He came halfway through the first uh, couple months. But, I mean, that, that roster was just full of guys who just loved hockey and wanted to make everyone better and, and win a championship at, at the juniors level. But ultimately, I mean, we knew that, that we were there to get an NCAA scholarship or to go pro and the the vibes in the locker room that that team had made hockey fun. It was guys were showing up, enjoying smiles on their face, shooting after practice. But you look at the roster now, like you said, a percentage of us are pro. But yeah, I mean that whole team could have could have went pro. So I mean, it was a great team, and and nothing bad to say about any of them. The coach Dan Dykawa and Andy Contois love them to death still. So. They're, they're great coaches, and, and that team basically pushed everyone to where they're at right now. You know, to let people know who, who don't know much about the North American Hockey League um, and, and what it does for players, what did it do for you, and what does it do for players that really helps them uh, in the future? Uh, it helps them with their, their physicality. Uh, I played in the Central and the, the South. The South is one of the most toughest junior leagues out there so if, if, if anyone wants to go watch a, a fun game down in the south at amarillo or odessa or street or shreveport th- that those physicality games made me pick my head up a little more a little more patient with the puck and ultimately not feel like i have to make a play right away the, the guys in the league like you said that ultimately went pro they learned in that league that slowing down the game is the number one thing and to do that, you have to have a high IQ and, and be able to play at a fast pace as well. I was just going to say, you, you talk about slowing down the pace of the game uh, or talk about slowing down the game so you can mentally grasp it and everything. But the speed of the game is such a change when you're going from AAA sure. into that. And was that something that was easy for you to adapt to? Personally, that was not something I had an easy time adapting to. I actually... I didn't score my first goal until like 15 games in. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was a little of an adjustment, but ultimately once players got it, you saw them shine. And, and it was across the league. It wasn't just in Central or the, or the South. It was the, the East and, and other divisions, too, that just 
you could see guys were, were progressing and making huge impacts for their teams. Why Adrian College? Obviously, that takes you back, obviously, up into Michigan and everything. But, but what was it about Adrian College that just appealed so much to you? So I actually was talking to Adam Krug in the NCAA Division Three team there, and I was in Minnesota Wilderness in the Nall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got a pretty bad concussion, and ultimately, the I need I need a degree. I need to get schooling going. I need to to get my life going. And Adrian, I, I actually did not know Adrian had a club program. Right. I, I just knew about the D3 program. And Coach Krug said, hey, we have got a great program here. Coach Gary Asalo, he's an amazing coach, amazing family guy. He will help you. And, I mean, I, I wasn't even on the roster. I practiced with them from February of 2018 until they won the national championship they opened arms for me and and i felt at home before i was even on the team in the school it was just open arms from all of them and uh you spent obviously five seasons with uh adrian and uh first of all let me ask you this what's your degree in uh my undergrad is general business general, general business, business administration Gotcha. Is is it going to involve anything in hockey when you're outside? When you're when you're done with hockey? When you're done with the pro game and everything? Do you do you think you'll do anything business side of hockey, or is there a different type of business that you're interested in? Most definitely, I will stick around uh, hockey. But there is also a, a part of me that wants to do what my father did and venture off into uh, a different realm. Uh, he uh, owned. He owned an ice cream shop in a fudge company down in Florida. So it's retirement, but it's not retirement. So Totally get it. Well, nowadays, you know, athletes, they can retire at the age of 30 sometimes. But, you know, yeah. uh, it, it really it really does d- depend on everything. So Adrian College, obviously five years there. We, we yep. you know, a lot of the people listening already know Dakota Bond, uh, Connor Smith. Um, you... There are, are guys that, you know, that Coach Sherwood is really, I mean, he's, he's looking at Adrian College as, listen, this is a league, this is a team, this is an organization that's producing really good hockey players, right? And probably good people as well. And, and that's kind of part of what he's probably looking for. But there are four of you now playing for the Binghamton Black Bears from Adrian. So, so tell me about Adrian College. Tell me about its culture. Why... Um, it has Coach Sherwood kind of really clung because he loves the Suniac kids as well and correct, everything correct. And, 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 and whatnot. So, but Adrian College, t- tell us a little bit about Adrian College. Adrian College is, if you think of it as a junior program, or not a junior, uh, ACHA club program, it, mm-hmm. you're mistaken. It, it's, it's a Division three. It's a Division three club program. It's, we, we have guys that know that they work their bag off, and they deserve to be at a higher place. But sometimes uh, you have to follow your path, and then your path comes to club. But you, the culture is there. It's we too deep. We, uh, it means that if you're, quote-unquote, the first forward and, quote-unquote, the 12th forward, we can interflop you and still play our best game. We have uh, the cultures uh, love each other, ELE, everyone loves everyone. Uh, accountability. Everyone holds each other accountable for for missing practice, missing workouts, small things like that. 
Gary Asalo, he's been the head coach for about, I think this is eighth season now. Mm-hmm. He, he runs it like a pro program. You're there early for practice. You're, you're hitting the gym every day. You're doing your spins. We're doing film. Uh, you, you have to have three sticks taped ready for every single game. Uh, you have to dress with class, respect. You know, you carry each team. We have seven different teams at Adrian. Each team has their different logo. You carry that crest with pride, and you represent it. So the culture there is like any other NCAA team, any other pro team. It's respect and accountability. And uh, obviously playing there, now we were talking a little bit off air and everything. You told me that for a good part of three seasons, you played on the same line as Connor Smith. Uh, That really helps you guys here in the pro game and everything. But uh, did you guys know, how how early on did you know – it, while you guys were at Adrian, that the two of you were going to gel as well as you do? It actually clicked pretty quick. We, uh, at Adrian, coach will set lines at the beginning of the year, test them out for the first couple weeks, and we were one of the only lines to, say, to stay. It was myself, Connor Smith, and one of our uh, friends, Mike Finger. He, um, he was the, the small guy on the line who would buzz around, and that, that really helped us at, uh, gel together because like you said Nikita would read off of us or we were talking off there Nikita would read off of us mm-hmm. and know where to be that's how this Mike Finger was he would read off of us where we would be able to, to inter- interchange with each other and then find our, our third guy back door so I'd say within two three weeks of our first time playing together we understood how each other played and took off from there so you talked a little bit about Division Three, Adrian, and of, of course the club program. Um, tell, talk, how much difference is there sometimes between? Because it's well known that Adrian College has one of the best club programs in the country, and you know there's a, there's a lot of schools that just don't put enough resources into taking club programs and making them varsity programs, you know, so they could be D1, D2 and everything. Talk to me a little bit about the difference between D3 and a top club program like Adrian. Oh, I mean, there, at the end of the day, there is a lot of difference. They're in the gym five days a week when we're, we're more two to three. They, uh, they play the body a lot harder. They're a lot faster, but I mean, but there's there, skill there, there at that. Is. But there's skill at that club level, right? I mean, there's really. Yeah. I mean, you, you when when I look at Connor Smith and I see the skill level that he has, it makes me wonder, you know, because because I just really truly. I mean, and we just saw Binghamton University. Their club program just had a really great year this past year, and everything. Correct. And there, so and but there are a lot of good players that will play at Adrian that will never play hockey again, even though they're very good players. Because, you know, life just takes you in different directions and everything. But to yeah. me, it seems like a very good club program like Adrian could probably compete a little bit with a, you know, with maybe a couple different pieces here and there, of course. That's just kind of yeah. normal in the sports world. Correct. With a, you know, I don't want, I don't want to just automatically go to Division One, but or at least a Division Two or Division Three school. And, of course, Adrian has a Division Three um, program, too. Yes, uh, our Division Three program at Adrian has been incredible since I've been there. They should have won it multiple times and unfortunately fell short, but they, they got one this 
two seasons or no, yeah, two seasons ago, and mm-hmm. they fell short in the finals again. So, I mean, they're they're a top Division One school or Division Three uh, hockey program, and when you when you look at our club team, we're there, but like you said, there's still those pieces, those fundamentals that we need. ACHA has played Division Three and Division One. Yeah, and and the Division One teams have unfortunately putting a spanking on the club guys but you know respectively respectively that's what they should be doing right when we played the d3 programs it's a little closer some teams win some teams don't so ultimately at the end of the day all programs at d3 are good all top club acha programs can give a run for some d3 schools so Talk a little bit about um, either the phone call, either that you made or that Coach Sherwood made to bring you to Binghamton. Uh, what was that conversation like? So uh, th- there was no original conversation between Coach Sherwood and I. Hmm. I actually texted a former goalie at Adrian, Austin Rodebush, who plays in the SPHL for Roanoke hmm. Rail Yard Dogs. Yep. And he knew that Sherwood was the coach of the Black Bears at the time, and he said, I'll, I'll get your contact to Sherwood. And luckily, they were playing in Motor City that night, or that weekend, when we uh, were in contact with them. And he said, why don't you come on down, take a peek at, at the game? And I said, I, I got a buddy who would also like to make the jump, that being Connor Smith. And Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. So you, up- so you brought Connor to the team. So you're kind, yeah. of, you're kind of responsible for, for bringing Cowboy in. Okay. Yeah, so he he did sign before me. Mm-hmm. I had some uh, personal issues with uh, family back home that sure. I had to stay back with. But uh, I was going to drive out with Connor, but I gave him, you know, go ahead, do your thing, go out there, help the team get get a, get a playoff push, and that's what he did. But uh, going back to Motor City, yeah, we uh, we drove from Adrian up to Motor City or Frazier, and. We got to see Coach Sherwood. I did not realize he was that young. So <laughs> out comes him. He's got his, his uh, pea coat on, all smiley. But he was all giddy because Connor, I brought, he had his big cowboy hat on, big cowboy boots, and <laughs> right then and there, that's, Sherwood, that's, Sherwood said it, it's a done deal. That's funny. And, and so, okay, so the two of you guys meet with Sherwood. You guys talk, obviously, some, you know, you guys like to – you come in and uh, you get a few assists in the last five games of the season and everything. I think yep. I think Connor had like eight or nine points himself and everything. Yeah. Um, was it was it an easy re-sign for the both of you to come into Binghamton this year uh, for the twenty three twenty four season? Did it, was it was an easy decision to go? Okay, yeah, this is where we want to be at this arena. You know, with with Coach Sherwood. Yes. Uh, right away. Yes. Um, Sherwood, he he brings a different energy to the locker room than most coaches do, and that's something I have loved since I've been here. He, the way he coaches makes hockey even more fun, makes more electric. I'm one of the guys who will always come to the rink with a smile on your face, cheery, I'll be yelling on the ice. So that just goes along with the facilities. The number one thing with Sherwood, his, his understanding of how to coach a team and be a player's coach which really really helped me want to come back 
Yeah, well, when we talk about the facilities, obviously the Broome County Veterans Memorial Arena, it's about 50-plus years old now, and mm-hmm. uh, they've done some renovations to it and everything. But with some of the le- the, the venues that you guys go and play at, uh, say Watertown, smaller community rink, Delaware last year was a smaller community-type yep. rink and everything. You know, Binghamton, Carolina, I think Columbus, now Mississippi and Baton Rouge, them being in the league as well, those are probably the primo uh, places to play when it comes to facility-wise, right? Because, you know, the Binghamton obviously had the AHL for many years here, um, and obviously when you walk into that dressing room, it's really done up nice and everything. There's a good uh, workout and uh, weight room, obviously a part of the arena and everything. Uh do you, is it one of those things where it's like, please don't trade me, please let me stay here, uh, because you've seen what it's like a little bit on the other side when you've gone to some of those visiting arenas? No, that definitely goes through your mind. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, this is a job. It happens. Sometimes it's, it's for the better. Sometimes it's for the worse. But, you know, you come in as, as a hockey player knowing you have to perform, you have to do the right things to stand the team. So, you got to utilize it. Got to make yourself better with the, the the cards you give. So, I mean, our cards are ace, queen, king, jack right now. So, you got to play them all the right way and, and use everything, but but use it the right way and not over over use what you have because you don't want to get comfortable. That's the biggest thing, and, and being complacent, and comfortable will ultimately not get you where you want to be. So. Using the gym, using the sauna, mm-hmm. using the ice tub, using our, our uh, Theraguns and our Normatex, using our shooting pad, our extra ice time till 5 p.m. Putting that into to play really helps. How good right now are you, Connor, and Nikita playing on the same line together? I would say this is... No offense to my other line mates that I've had in the past, but this is probably the most fun I've had playing hockey with those two. Um, it's just smiles, laughs, we score. We miss an empty net, we chuckle, we go score the next one. So It's almost a kid on Christmas morning, you know, every time we go to the rink and we hop on together. So Yeah, and Connor's on your left side, Nikita's on your yep. right side. And you've played, obviously, with Connor. We talked a little bit about this already, but you, you, you've played with Connor for three years at Adrian. You guys know each other all the time. Nikita seems to be able to put himself in the right spot at the right time, knowing where you guys are and everything. Um, did, it, did it take a game or two to get comfortable? I know you guys have played, I think, what, four out of the seven games, I think, completely together, um, yep. if I remember correctly, and everything. Um, or was it just automatic, like in practice? It's like, okay, wow, this is this is this just seems too good to be true that Nikita can just fit right in with me and Connor. Uh, it definitely did take a, a little adjusting too, um, but ultimately, once uh, we we got the, that line chemistry going in practice, it was you know, like you said, it was almost too good to be true. It's it's gelling pretty well right now, but the only thing we have to do is keep it going because. Last weekend, last weekend, this weekend yeah. coming up is the future. So, how many six point games have you had in your career, uh, going back even into college and juniors? Uh, did it happen often? Mm, none in college. 
none in junior, so maybe triple A when <laughs> you know, you played one of the, the worst teams in the league. Gotcha. Well, you guys played against Watertown. You had five assists and one goal and everything. It just seemed like anything that was happening, that line was a part of it. Uh, I, between, I mean, Nikita had two goals and two assists. Uh, Connor had two goals and assists. You had a goal and five assists. I mean, it just seemed like everything was clicking that game. Oh, it definitely was. Uh, it was, you know, like like we talked about earlier uh, off air. It was defensive zone. You got to be key in the defensive zone, and those will lead to offensive chances. And I'm not bragging about our defensive play, but I mean, we have like one of the best like offensive defensive lines in the league. So it's like when we take care of the puck in our zone, it's expected to go the other way and end up in a net. So. Two games coming up this weekend against Carolina. Uh, last year, they were one of the best teams in the league. Of course, every team is still trying to figure out their way, maybe just a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think I think Binghamton and Motor City, they kind of know the type of team that they are. Uh, I think Columbus knows. Uh, Carolina's probably still trying to figure it out just a little bit, but they have a really good goaltender, uh, Mario Caliver. I don't know if you guys have seen any video on him yet, um, but uh, I'm going to guess you're going to either see him Friday and or both days um, on Saturday as well. What do you guys do to a goaltender who's playing very well to maybe, you know, get him to not play on his best from just what you guys do? Is it is it just about playing north-south, getting that puck east-west, just to kind of like throw him off his game? Is there anything else you guys can do? Um, we definitely got to shoot the puck. Um, I personally have never seen this goalie play or uh, watched him. So from what everyone else has said, he's a very, very good goalie, and uh, he's very well respected around the league. So ultimately we just have to play our game, like you said, north and south, east and west, and then shoot. I mean, we got to hit the net on, on more of our shots, but we can be putting up 60 shots a game, and ultimately five of those should go in. So at the end of the day, all we got to do is just play our game and, and shoot the puck more. All right, Brendan, who's the funniest guy in the locker room? I think Dan Weaver. Really? Dan Weaver, number 61. Why? Well, what does he do that makes him the funniest guy in the locker room? He He's from Minnesota, so he's got... <laughs> well. The, the accent, yep. so it, it's a little funny when he talks, but no, he, he's got a joke for everything. Uh, Dan Stone, he's up there as well as one of the funny guys. Another guy from Adrian, but, right? Yep. We, we have uh, a great locker room. I mean, I could go up and down the wall, and they could, they could all be jokesters one day. So, I mean, ultimately, great locker room guys. Everyone's got a joke here and there, but... Definitely those two are top guys. All right, so who's the guy that's controlling the music in the locker room? So that's actually me. Really? All yeah. Right. All um, right, all right. So what's what's on your playlist? Tell tell the fans what you guys are listening to in the locker room, uh, DJed by Brendan Stanko. So for, for games, uh, I'll do a little electric slash rap music okay. to get the boys going. Kirk B likes one of his famous pregame songs with Louie, so I'll put that on right before. But for practices, I like to keep it like country, little classic rock to get the boys a little fired up. Nice. Uh, on Wednesday, we'll do Morgan Wall on Wednesdays. So today was 
Morgan Wallen all before practice. It's it's a mixture of genres. Sometimes uh, we'll and, have another guy hop on, play some rap after practice. But we're a uh, laid back locker room. But okay, know, it, it, it it's a variety for the vibe of the day. All right, and I'm I'm going to ask you one last question. Now, you I I know you're probably either best friends or very good friends with Connor Smith. How often does he wear the cowboy hat? Every home game, every uh, rodeo. If we're going to a bar, he'll have it on. He, he wears it like a baseball hat. Does he really? Okay. And uh, did he did he bring the did he bring the buckle in and show it off to you guys? He did. He in fact did, and it was a cool buckle. I mean, if you think about it, you don't know how many guys actually ride bulls that win buckles, and he's one of them. So kudos to him. He's been trying for a long time, and. It's very cool to see him bring it home. No, it's great, and it's honestly, it's 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 a really neat thing to to see because a lot of times when you kind of follow hockey players and whatnot, the one thing that you don't get to do is really learn a lot about them. And you learn a lot about a player when you find out that, oh, he's a real cowboy. Because when everybody was calling him the cowboy, Connor Smith, I thought it was because he was a good shooter in hockey, right? Yeah, he's a cowboy, boom, 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 and everything. And then, yeah. then, then he shows up with a buckle, and it's just like, okay, this is a little bit different, and this is pretty cool and everything, you know, so – Brendan, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate uh, talking to you and getting to know you a little bit. Good luck the rest of the season, and uh, you know, let's let's hope the the Black Bears just you know mow everybody down. Thank you very much, Bob. I appreciate you having me on the show. Great, and we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. you're a Binghamton hockey fan, then you need to check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your news, stats, information, the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame, top 10 lists, profiles, and so much more. That's BinghamtonHockey.net. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Thank you very much for listening. Obviously, two games this weekend against the Carolina Thunderbirds. They're coming into town for two games. It's Military Appreciation Night on Saturday night, and then on Friday, it's just going to be a raucous, great crowd. Uh, So definitely make sure you check it out. I will be there on Saturday night to check out those Military Appreciation jerseys, those special jerseys that they like to put out for the veterans. My brother is a veteran, um, grandfather, great-grandfather, veterans in uh, the armed services. So very proud to uh, be there for that game and uh, excited to see how they do against the Carolina Thunderbirds. The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, search for Power Play Post Show, and share any of our show posts to all your friends. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton Hockey information and curiosity. And thank you to Rob Lapolis, our MC, John Petitucci, our musical director, and our guest this week, centerman for the Binghamton Black Bears, Brendan Stanko. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next week and have a great weekend. And you've been listening to Bob Howard and the Power Play Post Show. for listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show. Be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show. You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.